Cool, and um, we're off. Welcome to another episode of Day One Digital. Um, this week we are joined by Claudia from Great Influence. Hello, thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we start this uh, off all the same way. So tell us about yourself and what was your day one digital? So I am a storyteller for Great Influence. Um, I work with our clients, I guess, to help them take their intangible thoughts and their values and their feelings and turn them into posts for socials. Um, it's such a great role. I've been doing it for about six months now and I work with some fantastic people and get to see the insides of their businesses and also kind of the insides of their brains as well because they share all their stories and everything um, with us, which is fantastic. Cool. And what was your background like before that? So I guess like when, when we ask day one digital, we try and get this idea of a, of a transition from you know, university or a non-digital mm -hmm. field in, into the sort of digital spaces that we find ourselves in. Where would you say that moment was for you? There was a moment. Yeah, definitely. So I actually studied international relations at uni, um, which is obviously nothing to do with digital marketing. Um, but I had a couple of roles like um, brand ambassador roles at uni that were kind of communication based and a lot around social. So I think that's where like my interest was very, very, very first sparked. And then when I left uni, I got a role in a marketing agency um, as an account executive on the Budweiser account. So that was when I got like the full scope, I guess, of what it takes, what like the whole marketing process from start to finish, from like ideas to scams to designs and all that kind of thing. So that was when I first saw the whole process when I left uni in my very first job. Cool. I mean, that's a similar sort of transition for me i guess i uh, was studying politics uh, and, and philosophy uh, up at durham you're in leeds right yeah leeds oh pretty close together then that's cool and um yeah it just felt like such a natural progression for me i i actually sort of got into the events management uh, space while, while i was at, at uni um and i i was saying to harry mckinley who i think sort of mutual we have that uh mm -hmm. I was commenting on one of his posts. Like I didn't even realize I got into marketing when I got into marketing. I was chatting to one of my friends being like, what am I going to do for a career? Like, you know, I, I, didn't, I have no experience in anything. And he was like, what are you talking about? You've built an, an events brand at universities and social media marketing. Like you are a successful marketer already. Like, how are you yeah. sitting here? Yeah, I um, think that's such an interesting point. And I think a lot of people kind of almost accidentally build up those skills to some extent because we all use so well. I use social every day, multiple hours a day. So I think naturally as a generation, we are more inclined to lean towards those skills automatically without even meaning to like people getting like hundreds of thousands of TikTok followers by accident. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I think that that's what, what is sometimes almost slightly depressing. I think you made, you commented on a post that made me really want to have this conversation with you. I think you commented like a hundred, like, on it and, and i think the post was saying um ceos are trying to become youtubers and youtubers are trying to become ceos yeah that is an ash jones classic who is the founder of great influence <laughs> oh right okay so he's 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 the originator he's the he's the great man sort of indeed indeed he is cool yeah no it's completely spot on it is sometimes a bit disconcerting that you're sitting there trying to trying to build a brand and then there are like these 14 year olds on TikTok just posting memes who are getting like a million views. Yeah, I think it's almost credit to like the visibility and transparency of people now. Like unless Carrie Rose, one of our clients actually is a great example of this. So she runs an SEO agency called Rise at Seven, which is amazing. And they've kind of like emerged on the scene 
with a bang recently um and their kind of whole ethos is that businesses are built around people so they're promoting all the people in their business to build their own personal brands um because that's kind of like what people want to see now it's it's more about the people in the business and less about the business itself yeah i think that's that's really spot on i actually i think i saw a piece of the content as well where she made a great video i don't know if you guys are involved in that basically saying that universities now are you know, all distance and it's a bit of a bit of a mess and you're not really getting value for money. And she was almost encouraging people to apply for this internship and then take a year out of uni and, and get the work experience. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that concept in itself is so is invaluable to a certain extent. Like I think for the sake of learning about digital marketing and marketing and businesses, I've learned far, far more in the past six months working at Great Influence than I did in three or four years at, at uni. Admittedly I wasn't studying it, but I still think because it's such a fast moving subject like TikTok didn't exist barely a year ago so if you'd started a university course that takes years and years to get through the process of creating TikTok wouldn't even be on on the agenda whereas it definitely one million percent should be now yeah I think that's spot on I'm conscious that we're, get, we're getting off topic so I'll try and drive it back on but it, but I think that really reminded me of uh, the discussion we had in my first podcast episode about podcasting about starting off where uh, the guy we had on was saying you got to just start because as you start the uh, feedback you get from your audience is what actually helps you to drive and to grow and become better and you can't theorize that you can't learn that from a book you have to just learn from doing it yeah that's so true and I think even speaking for myself from from a certain extent like I started working on my personal brand um, about a year ago and in that time, if I look at the posts I posted then compared to what I talk about now, the, the difference is huge. But also a lot of that, like you say, has come from people's lovely, lovely messages and saying that I've helped them through, like I post a lot about being unemployed and how I felt when I left uni. And I've had some lovely messages from people just saying that like it's helped them get through a difficult time or they've been inspired to do X, Y and Z or they've thought about something differently. And really, like, I'm sure our clients get that too. Like that's what drive is the driving force behind a lot of it and you learn about not only what people want to hear but also what can actually help people as well which I think is really important yeah it sounds like a great job I was just saying saying to my friend how I think you it, is, the, it is a great job <laughs> one of the coolest jobs I mean we're going to get onto that in a sec I think when we talk about your highlights but but first I wanted to ask so you make and help you create personal brands for for these great uh, you know, industry leading uh, figures yeah, but yeah. How, how do you make and create your own personal brand f for yourself a brand for someone who makes brands so to speak yeah the inception of brand building um I don't know I think it's a weird one like I originally got my job through building my own personal brand and got in touch with Ash and he saw what I was posting and it kind of went from there um so I guess there was like this switch from me in a transition to building it for myself to building it for other people which is very different um because like you have to get to know them really well a lot like it's personal what they post is very personal to them their values what they stand for so getting to know them on a level that i can kind of communicate that on behalf of them to a certain extent is really important um that did affect my own personal brand because I was helping them with so much content and switching my mind from one person to the next person to the next person. I almost had like a mild identity crisis at the start. And I was like, what do I actually think? What do I need to post about now? And yeah, I really agree with this point, but I also think this point is really interesting as well that someone else is making. And I kind of 
forgot what I wanted to talk about because I was just so consumed with everyone else for a certain period of time anyway. Um, I feel like I have come out of that now and as I've grown with the role and you know got to know different people's styles better and also my own style as well but it definitely does still take work like I as much as I work with other people as well I do sit down every now and again and think okay what am I going to post about what do I actually stand for what do I want people to know about me so I think it's having those little breaks I guess in actually thinking for other people but then also thinking okay what have I learned from this and how can I apply it to myself as well Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. I hadn't quite thought of that, but it, you know, the, the actual challenge of, of developing your own personal brand when your role is to help, help do that exact thing for such big, big clients, that could be quite difficult. But then, I guess then what, what, what were your highlights from doing it? If that was a bit of a, a difficult thing you had to overcome, what, what, what were your standout moments in working with such, such cool people? Honestly, I learn something new every single day. I do something every single week that scares absolute shit out of me, but in a good way. Um, there's so many. I think a big one for me was actually my first week. Um, so we work with Chris Donnelly. If you haven't seen him on LinkedIn, I'm sure you will after this. Um, and in my first week, he got his first million views on a post, um, which was a really cool one. It was um, a whole team collab and like everyone chipped in a little bit. So yeah, it was just really nice to see the impact of like the team working together on a post and how many people we reached. Um, but I don't know, honestly, day to day, I learn so much from so many different people. And I think a really cool thing is, is that I guess to some extent we operate as an agency, but as an agency for people. So like the people are the, the clients that a normal agency would have. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. And we work with them for like, not campaigns, but like ideas that they have around the things that they want to talk about. Um, so we do get to see like deep inside their minds and into their businesses and how they operate. And yeah, it's just so fascinating to see all the different business models and how they work and how they treat their team and all that kind of thing from so many different angles. Um, it's just fascinating daily. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how great that'd be. I mean, I, I can a little bit because I <laughs> love, I love Chris Donnelly. I, I you know, read every single post he He's makes. Great. I've spoken to him very briefly. I asked him a couple of questions on a Q&A. I think that Harry was hosting and I've messaged him a few times. And what I always find astounding, um, you know, on top of just the quality of content he continually uh, produces, is also how responsive he is in, in terms of messaging and how actually, um, you know, when I do come to him with, with a question, he, he comes back and he answers it and he, he's really keen to connect and how he manages to make that time for someone like me on top of running, you know, one of the most successful digital marketing agencies in the country is absolutely beyond me. Yeah, it's beyond me as well, to be honest. I don't know how they do it. But I think for everyone, for all of the people that we work with, you know, the people that they speak to are really important and they value everyone's opinion and they are there as like, as an inspiration, I guess, to, to all the people that do follow them and engage with their posts. And I think that's what's so great about all of our clients is that they genuinely care and they genuinely do what they do and post on LinkedIn and build their personal brands because they want to help people and they want to give people value in what they're saying. Yeah, I think that's that is that is spot on about about creating creating value uh, being the new kind of digital currency. Um, okay, the next question I wanted to ask you was about kind of starting off. So you you take these uh, people who are you know, CEOs or relatively successful uh, business leaders, but they haven't you know quite set about developing their own personal brand. or haven't you know quite made much traction on that journey. 
So like, what are the main obstacles for you when you're starting out there? And or rather, what is that sort of starting out process for you? Like, what's the conversation you have? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the biggest thing for us is actually getting to know people. Like what, what we do and how we work together is very, very collaborative. It's not just like us writing content for them by any means whatsoever. Like all the ideas come from them. So I think it is really important for us to get to know them. And a huge part of what we do is actually building their confidence um, and kind of talking them through ideas that they're not sure about or new things that they want to explore. So, yeah, I mean, we have like basically therapy sessions <laughs> with everyone and like figure out exactly what their values are and, and the areas that they don't feel a little bit like they feel less confident on. We can work with them to figure out why that is and understand it and try different techniques i guess to help them overcome that i like this idea of a kind of therapy session i saw a post from a, a copywriter a while ago saying that one of his clients would have him start these uh, monthly sessions with like a 10 minute guided meditation yeah i love that so you guys have done that we haven't done it but i think it would be a really interesting thing to do and it's just like like we speak to the people that we work with every day so it, inevitably you do become like mates with them i guess to some extent and it is, yeah, it's just nice to hear about what they're doing. And I think the key thing is for everyone is that everyone's got a genuinely like vested interest in everyone doing well. Yeah, that is what I find astounding about the LinkedIn space. The, the, the sort of zeitgeist of it, the, uh, the sort of vibe of it is just everyone helping each other out. Um, I don't really feel there's another space like that. I guess SEO blog post content is very instructional, but it doesn't have that personal touch. It doesn't have that you know, feeling of connection between two people, you know, trying to try to support one another. Yeah, massively. And I definitely feel that on LinkedIn as opposed to any other platform. Like I've been debating using Twitter a bit more recently and I'm actually a bit more nervous because like Twitter is not particularly a nice place to be. Like people get rowdy on there. Whereas LinkedIn, I think it's a lot more like everyone wants to see you do well and it is supportive and people perhaps share. I definitely think the mood is changing a bit and people are sharing more openly about what they're going through and it's not just work related content now it's like the things that they're learning about themselves just just getting through the day to a certain extent um so yeah i think i think the tide is changing okay well um okay this doesn't segue very well but <laughs> like you're developing organic linkedin content for these people so dave gerhardt talked about this this trend where your linkedin page to your company is just like a ticker it just goes we hired this person we won this competition this happened but the the employee linkedin pages the personal employee linkedin pages are perhaps you know some of the people at the top or some of your customer success managers then become these like personal linkedin uh, channels where they post this kind of content right but so, so I think that that drives a lot of what I think is great about the work you do, how personal it is, uh, how fun, fun it must be. But what point does that start to overlap into like, more traditional uh, performance uh, paid marketing? Right. At what point are you really metric driven? And at what point do you start thinking, right, let's let's take a budget and sponsor some of this content or let's repurpose it and run it into a paid funnel? Um, to be honest, that's really not the focus of what we do at all. Like we don't. Put, we don't define success as reaching X amount of people per month or, you know, you've got X amount of likes because I think that changes the purpose of what you're trying to do. I think building a personal brand is elevating the values of the people that you're working with. It's not reaching X amount of people because 
then you're tying your success to something that you can't really control. Like we can't say to someone, you're definitely going to reach a million views from this post because we can't guarantee that you don't know how people are going to react. What we can, I guess, guarantee more is that if you do X, Y, and Z, you could inspire and motivate and engage these people in a different way because people are listening to what you're saying and the message of your post is more important to how many people you reach. Like if, if you, if someone put a post out that reached 10 people, but it was something that they felt really strongly about, they really believed in and was really concise to their values. For me, that's a better metric of success than reaching a trillion people because that's building your personal brand. Whereas reaching 10 million people for the sake of reaching 10 million people is just a post on LinkedIn. Yeah, 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 no, I get that. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, I think, the first book on economics I ever bought. I was about 16 years old, and my, my teacher recommended this book called Obliquity by John Kay. Uh, if we repost this clip, I'll put, I'll put a link to it. And it basically said that your goals are best achieved indirectly. So if, if you're trying to aim, if you're a hairdresser, and you're trying to aim to profit maximize, you know, the logical way to do that would be do your hair cuts, cuts as quickly as possible and then charge as much as you, you could for those. But if you take that hairdresser doing that and then compare him to a hairdresser who just comes in and just tries to deliver the best quality of service he can, the best haircut you know, money can buy, uh, over a longer period of time, that, that person will have infinitely more success than the one he's aiming to profit maximize. So you have to kind of take what you might want, which in most cases is profit maximization, being candidly in, in, in a firm, in a company, but actually then identify you know, what's going to be your like, day-to-day goal, your kind of like effective goal. Um, which is to inspire people or to educate people and then just aim for that and completely forget the, the, the other things and then let, let, let those happen on their own. Yeah, 100%. That's pretty much exactly what we do. Like we aim to inspire and a happy consequence of that is that we do engage more people and we do reach more people, but that's not the driving motive behind it all. Okay. That, so my next question, I guess, was about timelines, right? Which I guess touches a little bit onto your client relationships. So, so you know, as you've said, you, your clients don't tend to have you know, too many performance-based metrics. You focus on this kind of quality and, and, and let the outcomes mm-hmm. deliver themselves. But you know, there must be some, some tangibles behind it. Like you must have clients come in and you know, have expectations of certain amounts of results within you know, certain amounts of time. How, how do you manage those? And then I guess... You know, at what point do you have to take a step back from, from, from a client and say, you know, if that's what you want, we're, we're, not, we're not right for you. This isn't going to work. We're not a good fit. Yeah, for sure. I can honestly say hand on heart at this moment in time, all of our clients are not interested in how many people they reach. They're interested in the quality of the messages that reach the people. Um, but we do work with a certain select type of people and those are people that want to inspire and, and motivate people. Um, but I do think you can definitely get bogged down with all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's great that we that we reach X amount of people and that is part and purpose of it. And that comes with building your personal brand. Like over, I think there's, there's a great graph that um, Chris has shared or maybe Ash shared about Chris's LinkedIn views over the past two years. And it's like pretty stable for about 18 months. And then there's almost like a cliff edge where it just absolutely skyrockets. Um, and Chris reached a few million people last year, um, which was amazing. And I think it's just a case of sticking to your values over a certain amount of time and working on it, building on it, figuring out what works for you and what works for everyone else and sticking with it over time. 
I think that's the most important thing. Um, and I think it's very, very easy to give up when you're not reaching. And I think this is where the success metric really is important. If your only aim is to reach people, your patience with it will be lost because you'll do 10 posts, you've not reached the amount of people that you wanted and you can't be bothered anymore, so you sack it off. Whereas if your success metric is, okay, I want to one person to send me a really, really nice message saying that I've inspired them in the next 10 months and it will be worth it, which is kind of how I thought about it at the start, then it doesn't matter if you reach three people because you've actually genuinely impacted someone and helped them. And I think that's where changing the definition of success helps your own motivation as well, because if you get stuck in the likes hole, then you'll be much quicker to kind of let it drop, I think. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I felt that a little bit this morning. I got up early to do, do some edits. I did a recording with one of my mates from school who's a, a machine learning uh, researcher at MIT. And I, when I started posting last week, so I only just launched this podcast, I think mm -hmm. one of my posts had like a thousand views, another one like 800. And then the second week it dropped off like so hard. It was like a cliff edge, which I've been told happens. And I was sort of sitting there like going like, oh my God, I'm getting no traction. And then I made a post today and I started thinking, oh my God, I haven't got many likes. And then I saw mm -hmm. a guy like it uh, who went to school with me and this guy, Josh. And then I, I looked at the data and thought, I think, I think he'd looked at it to the end. And then I started to think, oh, at the end, me and this guy were having some banter and laughing. And I started thinking, oh, this guy's heard us laughing. And it became completely about what we communicated in that message and the authenticity of it and nothing to do with the metrics or the quantity. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's literally what we try and do with every post it's a really good good way of looking at it um okay i want to i want to end by talking about platform maturity and sort of predictions but i i guess mm -hmm. just before we move on to that you gave a sort of key key takeaway tip that don't focus on metrics uh focus on delivering the, the quality focus on your know, longer term uh, like meaningful communication um what, what other kind of li little little key tips have you got and namely one i really want to hear from you is how to choose what kind of content to post because i've been posting these sort of longer one to sort of two three three minute video clips but i see you just post short copy that you've written primarily um you know is there any golden rule is it good to mix it up should you be looking to be consistent yeah i think it's a hard one because there's not like a blanket rule. I can't say do X, Y, and Z and you'll be LinkedIn famous by tomorrow. But um, I think consistency really is the main one. And I've definitely seen that with myself and all the people that we work with is keep, keep going at it and stick with it. And I also think another important thing is to actually build up to it. Like you have to almost earn the right to post two times a day as some of our clients do at the moment because you, your audience builds with you I guess and like you can post a couple of times a week and still have an impact you don't have to be posting every single day I think it, again it comes back to the value you're providing and I think it's actually better to, to post twice a week two posts that you think are really good and you you would be happy for the world to see rather than try and post every single day because you think you want everyone to see you every single day um because you run the risk of becoming spammy when I think you have to earn that right. And when people are used to used to you posting more content and they kind of get used to you in their feed, then you can post three times a week or four times a week or five times a week on the weekends, like build up to working to that phase as well. 
Okay, cool. And um, do you find that the optimization of, of the content, like length type, is just really specific to each to each person? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I do a lot of text posts. Some people we work with do images in every post, basically, and there's videos. And I think you just kind of have to find out what works for you. There's some great videographers on LinkedIn who just post videos every post, and that works for them. Um, I prefer writing because that's just what I'm used to and it's what I enjoy. Some people prefer putting pictures, infographics, that kind of thing. Again, there is no blanket rule. It's just a case of trying things out and seeing what works for you. Yeah, I've always felt like I wanted to start on these kind of podcasts, actually primarily just to get to chat to people like you because um, the conversations are what benefit me the most, I think. It's nothing to do with scaling an audience or building a personal brand it's actually the best way i can find to just learn from fantastic people like you who have such great understanding of these <laughs> no yeah, that's definitely true and i think of, if i think of all the people i've met well definitely not met but spoken to in the last year from linkedin like it's actually incredible if i really think about it. the conversations i've had and especially when it was kind of the absolute mayhem at the start and uni students didn't know what they were doing and I was posting about how I felt when I left uni and it's not comparable but the thought that I could even offer a shred of advice or support to people going through such a horrible thing at that time was the most important thing for me and I think yeah that's that's a great consequence of building a personal brand and not just posting on LinkedIn is that people come to you when they're when they need some support for that specific thing. Yeah and you get to know yourself a bit better and develop like more confidence 100% yeah because I think I was my, my parents um I, li- I moved back into my parents when, when lockdown happened I was in Brighton before that but uh, mm-hmm. hence this room I definitely not afford this <laughs> <year>. um <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not um but I they, they buy these like gusto meals that you sort of they come in a box and you can home cook them and one day I was just sitting there eating one I just went on LinkedIn and just added the CEO and founder of gusto and was just like cheers for all the food you legend and he just That's pinged, so good. I love that. He just pinged me back and was like, oh, I hope, hope, hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're having a good time. I was like, what other medium is there like that where you can just message the CEO of a multi-million dollar company and be like, cheers for the dinner, mate. And he just comes straight back, like, no problem. <laughs> Made a mouthful of burger, like, nice one. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I, I think that does bring us on quite smoothly to the final question, which is about, like, mediums and platform maturity. So... Mm-hmm. I noticed you guys are doing a lot on Clubhouse and I've asked this question to a few other people, how they're balancing the sort of a webinar or a podcast recording medium versus Clubhouse. Yeah, definitely. Like pretty much all of our clients are using Clubhouse now. Um, I'll be really interested to see what happens with it over the next few weeks. We're doing a Clubhouse later, actually. It's called a House of Influence Tuning. <laughs> um, but I think... I think it will be interesting to see what happens when lockdown ends because right now I have quite honestly nothing better to do than sit in and listen to a clubhouse in the evenings. Um, that may change on the 21st of June when pubs open. May. I'm sure there might be a couple of people that you know want to sit in their room still, but few and far between. Um, so yeah, I think we'll kind of wait to see what happens then. But I, I think it's such a cool thing. Like again when you get the chance to know that someone is on the other end of the phone sitting wherever they're sitting in the same situation as you listening to the same conversation, I think that actual like sense of community that everyone's doing the same thing at the same time is, is an interesting concept. Um, I don't know if it will last, but I'm enjoying it for the meantime. 
Yeah, it felt a bit to me like the there was just after lockdown happened, there was that house party app that sort of blew up. Yeah. It was very similar. That drifted off quite quickly. I, I think Clubhouse is here to stay in one form or another. I don't think you generate that much traction without you know, developing some kind of you know, baseline um, uh, stability, uh, popularity. But I tend to prefer the webinar um, forum where you, you have video and it's more open. So I'm looking at planning a kind of webinar at some point where uh, one, of my, one of my friends is studying at Cambridge, who used to work at Algomo, uh, you know, my other mate Josh and trying to get a bunch of them and some academics from those universities uh, machine learning researchers and get them to talk to my CEO and try and like deep dive into machine learning and it's mm -hmm. like I don't think I can do that as a clubhouse event because how many how many machine learning researchers are actually on clubhouse like some spaces have just no one in them is on it um well I suppose the only thing to do there Charlie is give it a go and see what happens yeah yeah <laughs> I think I will so okay I guess the final question then we did get onto it clubhouse is i guess pr predictions about linkedin and, and other mediums so mm -hmm. like mediums come and go right like popularity stays but the sort of vibe of them changes and this guy chris walker who i go on his live event at midnight every tuesday so all out in america he was saying like linkedin's here to stay it's going to be at least another like two years and I was like what only like two years like that started panicking me um I, I'm wondering whether you think you're going to see this sort of golden age of LinkedIn that I feel like we both agree we're in kind of decline and whether you think it might end up like Facebook which is kind of dead and then a new space would emerge and if you did think that what it could be yeah that's actually a really good question I think the unique thing about LinkedIn is that it has a driving purpose of helping people get jobs and I think that's different to any other platform is that they their only purpose is to serve people with content whereas LinkedIn has like a motive behind it I guess um, and they're also looking into create like better things for like the gig economy so freelancers they're looking to create a marketplace for that to rival like Fiverr um, they also put a job out ad out I think it was for like head of community or something where they're looking to engage content creators more I think similar vibes to what TikTok is doing by partnering with brands and and so on um, so those things make me think that LinkedIn is kind of emerging realizing that the content that is now being produced on the platform is actually really strong um, and they are doing what they can to keep people on the platform and promote content creators which I think will be really interesting for the future um so yeah that will be that'll be cool to see where that ends up and i don't know i don't know i guess the golden age of content for any platform is two or three years i think we are if not in the midst of it coming into it on linkedin um i think the cross i think the thing is is that content creators currently on linkedin it's been the focus has been business and it's been work and people and ceos and things and it'll be I don't know what will happen if they try and transition onto different platforms. I can't see the CEO of a huge company transitioning onto TikTok that easily, which is where actually I think Clubhouse becomes a unique platform in itself because all those people that kind of don't know where to go to next have an outlet because Clubhouse at the moment is kind of business vibes. Um, so yeah, I think it will be, I don't know what will happen between the transition, but I think LinkedIn is here to stay for the imminent future and Clubhouse is a good kind of spillover from that for now. 
Yeah, I think about this in terms of bundling and unbundling, which is this concept that you can take a bunch of features that have been provided through different applications or mediums and group them together. So LinkedIn has bundled your typical social media messaging, job hunting, targeted professional advertising into one space. And then you have this big macro trend we saw in 2020 of this kind of titanic collision between social media uh, spaces, more consumer facing and e-commerce. So when, when TikTok came up for sale, it became really apparent that what had been happening is these brands have been paying to play in content spaces or organically to then drive traffic to um, e-commerce sites. So either Amazon or, or Shopify site. And, that, and that's been the setup, but there's like no fundamental reason why it should remain these two separate uh, spaces. Like, there's no reason why the social spaces can't develop uh, e-commerce functionality or mm -hmm. as seen with TikTok, why one of the large e-commerce giants can't just try and buy an entire social platform. Um, so I'd be really interested to see if, e if, if um, LinkedIn does start to move in these functionalities where like you could hire me as a web developer or you as a, as a freelancer within your profile. Because I guess what frustrates me is the friction between someone seeing some of my content on LinkedIn going to my website and actually carrying out a conversion. Like I don't see why there aren't pricing uh, services and payment functionalities in LinkedIn. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility of happening in the future. And I think the process of hiring should be made easier through LinkedIn as well. And what I don't know if they expected to happen was this rise of content creators that aren't really posting about work what it's about like lessons and growths and learnings that all kind of contribute into the work field but it's not about your job all the time um so yeah I don't know how that will progress in the future but I think it's cool that content creators are becoming more of a thing on LinkedIn cool yeah it's interesting to see how they, they make that judgment call because I agree with you it could saturate it and sort of kill the space if they can modify mm. it too much um, you know, but equally, I, I wonder if uh, Slack or, or these kind of group-based systems might might pop out. Anyway, I, I'm conscious that we've, we've got perhaps overrun on time, so I think we'll, we'll tail off there. But yeah, let me say again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been incredible to, uh, to speak with you, and I'm sure we've got some great, great content here. You've shared some real gems. Thanks so much, Charlie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lovely. Cheers. Thanks very much.